Welp, it's Wake Up With KC, and today, you know, there's some people that I am very fond of, and I have the heart for, and a passion for, because they they struggle in their own identity, identity, and being the best version of themselves, and the process, and the transition, and feeling their true self it's very heartfelt and i so resonate with what they what they go through in their transition and transformation and i have a duo together that helps um and they have topics and they have their own podcasts in helping the lgbtq community and please welcome charles and martha Charles and Martha, thank you so much for joining. KC, thank Hi. you for having us. Well, you know, explain to both of your journeys and how it came about you two meeting and congratulations on your engagement. Yes, thank, thank you. you. I have the ring on. The ring is on. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. So um, how did this come about for you? So we've, we have known each other for 20 years. We, um, we were actually regulars at the same bar. Um, so we would, we had discussions over the first 10 years when we would just happen to see each other, you know, and the, the, the bar was right at the corner of where my office was. So I was down there a lot with colleagues or, or meeting friends after work and Charles and I would just talk. And um, I had been, I was married at the time. And I was, when I divorced, after I divorced, I was talking about how horrible the dating scene was. And Charles said, well, are you ever going to ask me out? And I went, huh, would you like to go out? <laughs> and I said, sure. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's, and we have been together. It'll be 10 years in July. So, um, we just got engaged in December. Yes. Um, on your birthday. On my birthday. Yeah. Aww. So, you know, we have both identified, you know, as, as bisexual or pansexual or whatever, you know, either word fits. Um, and, you know, right after my mother died, my mother died at the end of, of 2017. Um, is when I really kind of came to the point to say, you know, I'm trans. I've always been trans. Um, we have a lot more words for it today than we did. You know, I'm somewhere, uh, I say trans femme because um, I don't quite feel like I'm binary, if that makes sense. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm happy with the word femme. I, I'm not going to have a fight over whether you call me a trans woman or whether you call me trans friend, femme, or whether you just call me trans. I'm fine with any of that. I'm also fine with being called non-binary because I have identified that way for a very long time. So really all that's changed a lot is my presentation. Um, I look different than I used to. Um, that's about it. <laughs> and we worked through that. We stayed together. Um, we come from different backgrounds. I'll let Charles talk about his. 
Um, but we have these great conversations in our home all the time and with our friends. And we owned a bar together for five years. And we had a lot of fantastic conversations around that bar with a lot of interesting people. And we have talked about doing a podcast for a long time. And uh, we finally put it together at the beginning of March and said, it's time. It's just time to do this and commit to it and make sure we do, you know, an episode a week where we sit down and we talk uh, and as many interviews as, as we might have. So, you know, we, we do a weekly podcast that's the two of us talking um, and then a, a couple interviews so far. Mm -hmm. uh, it's being like a month. So every other week or so. Oh, wow. Well, I have some guests that you might be interested in having on your show. Cool. I'll send them yeah. the their links. You'll love them. Um, well, we just interviewed Allison Church, which and I believe you had interviewed her as well. Yes. I love that interview. Yeah, she was, she was terrific. She was terrific. We had a really good time. I love Allison. She's adorable. She is. And so you didn't get to talk about you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to leave you out. So explain, well, you know, your journey and okay, your perspective um, on. I let's see. Was in Catholic school from K through twelve, so I had all that going on up in here. Mm -hmm. um, I came out to myself as not straight, whatever that was. I didn't have words yet at around. 15. And then I came out in college at 18 or 19 as bisexual. And that's kind of where I was for a good bunch of my life. Um, I started going out with Martha and we'd been together six, seven years by this point. And you, you said to me, I'm trans. And I stopped and I thought about everything that I knew about her up until that point. And a lot of things just clicked into place and made immediate sense. And I said, I know. <laughs> and that's pretty much been it from, from then to now. It's, this is my Martha. <laughs> and I love her. <laughs> so then you had a, like almost like a, I would say self-realization of the piece to your identity that you felt was true for you. We're talking about me now. Well, both of you. Okay. Well, right. So, I mean, Charles has just always been queer. Wonderfully. So, um, I, <laughs> you know, I understood that I was trans at a very young age. Like I, I knew myself to be not like everyone else um, before kindergarten. So probably three, maybe a little bit younger because I have some memory before I was three years old. So this is the late 1960s. My family had no words for what I was. Um, there was a kid on the street that I used to play with and he was so excited because he had seen Phil Donahue that day and he he found me and he said, I know what you are because, and the word at the time was transsexual. They had a, an episode in the seventies with transsexuals 
and and Scott down the street said, that's what you are. That's what you are. And I went, oh, well, that makes sense. You know, now. And how old are you there? Oh, under 10. <laughs> probably prob- under 10. I got to find out when the episode was, but yeah, 10, 10 or younger. Definitely. And, um, you know, so that's, it's a thing you always know, but, you know, like so many trans people, uh, who grew up at the same time, you know, people tell you, you don't understand your own mind. Your family tells you, you don't, you don't get it. You think this thing about yourself, that's not possible. And you really do learn to question your own mind, to learn to question your own existence and, you know, to listen to the adults because, of course, they know better. Um, you and think I they was, do. Well, yeah. And I was I was a very compliant child. And, you know, puberty, puberty was really hard. Puberty was really hard because, you know, before that, we're, you know, boys and girls are fairly interchangeable before puberty. You know, we're all flat chested. Some of us have an innie. Some of us have an Audi. Our features are very similar. Our, our body shapes and are very similar until we hit puberty. And then that's where the great divide comes into play. And, and I hated it. I hated it. And I said, well, now I can never be. I'll never be seen as a girl. I'll never be seen the way I want to be seen. So this is just the way it is. Um, I was married twice. I have two adult children, um, twice two women. And, you know, so I was married the first time for six years and I was married the second time for uh, 13 years, 14, 14 years, 15 years. I don't know. Math. <laughs> I was married a long time. Um, you know, and both of those marriages didn't dissolve in the way that folks think, you know, I didn't come out as trans. I I didn't really have a plan to come out as trans. I really didn't. You know, I had grown children. My life was pretty good. I was involved in a lot of things. Um, I was a busy human and that was all okay. And then after, after my second marriage dissolved, you know, when I, I really thought I was married to my best friend, I really thought it was us forever. Um, I said, you know, it's it's just time. It's time to expand. It's Marrying women is not going well, you know, and that's, we had the conversation about, are you ever going to ask me out? And I went, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. Let's do that. Um, coming to terms with being trans, you know, as long as my parents were alive, I was probably never going to speak those words. Mm. And it really took my mother finally leaving this planet. She was the last one to die um, for me to say, it's time. It's time that I feel I'm affirming myself fully. And that, you know, at first that just meant more feminine clothing because we had a ton of queer friends. We had for a long time, we had a bar that was loaded with queer and trans folks. Um, but my just my appearance was changing and it was feeling better. And But it was the pandemic that um, really led to the decision that it's time for HRT, it's time for hormones, it's time to see, what does that do? 
you know, does, does that make more sense to me? Cause I, you know, I don't have dysphoria in the same way that some folks do and all trans people don't, right. we don't all hate our bodies. That's it's, it, it, it doesn't work that way. And there's for everyone, for some people it does, for some people it's very much clear. Like I hate this body. It's not my body. Um, what I hate and what I always hated was they, the way that I was being socialized, you know? So I remember in kindergarten, I wanted to play in the play kitchen. I wanted to play dress up with the girls. I wanted to have the tea parties and I wanted to sit and read quietly or make art with them. I didn't want the rough and tumble. I didn't want to be out there with the boys. They never made sense to me as a child. I was like that, that, and yet it, we start, or we did then, as young as kindergarten and telling children who they are and who they aren't and what they're not allowed to touch and they're not allowed to play with. And, you know, boys don't play with dolls. And we, we start the, the bullshit we do to men the same way we start the bullshit we do to women mm -hmm. and telling you, you know, who you are and who you're not. So that's the thing that never made sense. And like I said, for me, just being able to speak the words, being able to say, this is how I identify is very freeing for me. You know, being able to say, yeah, I've always wanted to just be pretty. I just want to feel pretty. I never in my life wanted to feel handsome. Yet, you know, as a teenager, I did some modeling. I never saw myself as attractive. Never. Which just boggles my never. mind. But... I'm starting to, <laughs> but I never did. You know, I just was like, you want to see a boy, you want to see a man. I There's nothing I can do with this that makes me like it. Even visually. Good visually. It. And, you know, the conversations I've had, like, I've always had closer friends who are women, always. Colleagues at work, you know, it's not that I don't get along with men, but we've never, that I've just always identified with women and they with me, and they're my closest girlfriends, my sisters, um, you know, and to this day are primarily women, both cis and trans women. And we hang out, ask Charles is surrounded by women. A lot of estrogen. I mean, I always have been though. Like yeah. I've always gravitated towards friendships with women um, to this day. And I never even thought of it really until someone pointed it out. And I looked around and I was like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> well, I think it's just your in your part of that feminine energy because we have feminine and masculine energies mm -hmm. inside this what i call it this machine because we're divine spiritual beings inside of a human being and we're also sexual beings inside this human being sure right so and i see beautiful gods right in front of me that's being their true authentic selves. 
And that to me is like freedom. When you can be who you choose and what resonates with you, how you feel, you're expressing the God in you. I, I, that I believe is very true. Yes. Um, and that's, it, it is sad that, you know, throughout the queer community, not just the trans community, you know, we have, um, we have a lot of baggage from religion. Yes. A lot of us. And, you know, that, that is part of the human condition. I mean, humans get fucked up by religion, but especially queer kids, you know, who are told what you are is sin. But you know, they're doing it themselves. So that doesn't make of sense. Of course, of course. But it's, it's you know, this very idea that what you are and who you are is sin. Um, and that's a lie. It is a lie. Yeah. It is a lie. But, you know, I can't tell you how many kids I have said, you know, especially as we talk about religion and especially with trans kids, what if you start to look at yourself and say, what I know myself to be, who I know myself to be, is the fullness of the way God made me. So coming to my authenticity, you know, whether we're talking about a trans man, a trans woman, or a non-binary soul, coming to that truth and living, being able to live that truth, I believe that is the fullness of God, the fullness of the divine, the fullness of whatever it is, you know, that, that is bigger than just a meat suit. And we come into that fullness when we tell the truth about who we are, not other people's truths. And it's so hard for people to stop hating themselves to stop loathing themselves. Yes. To stop believing that because that gets ingrained and it and it's and it stays there. And you're you're going to clean that out for the rest of your life. But not only that because I I talk about it on my show cuz the limited beliefs, the mental programming, even the emotional energetic traumas that keeps being passed forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 All it is energy. We are all energy. And energy turns into matter. Right. And then if you got that, whatever that trauma was, trauma was, and if you look back in history from the beginning, we have a misconception. The, the, the one reason why we have a misconception of who we are is, yes, from religion, because one, it was created by man. However, the... We have a false identity of even who we are from our origins of how we were created in the first place. Oh, yeah. So yeah. when you realize, okay, ask yourself, who am I? Right. Mm -hmm. You can change it to I am because the I am is part of the God it's very powerful. It is. You know, I never understood that Bible verse or that notion of God as I am um, until much later, until, you know, really, I really started delving into my own writing and I really started writing as a practice. And I started 
to see that as a theme and to really understand the power in that mm -hmm. power in I am. I uh, am that, yeah. whatever that may be, I am. Yeah. I, I can recommend some books. Dr. Wayne Dreyer, Wishes Fulfilled, The mm -hmm. I Am um, Disclosures. Okay. Um, I forget now because I'm listening to it now. <laughs> and it so makes sense. You know, when you say... Um, when you say that I am, like I say, I am a divine spiritual being, sexual being inside this human being. And I just happen to be a redhead with female parts. Right. And I'm the being the greatest expression of who I can be. Mm -hmm. And it so makes a difference because then I'm, I'm free to be me. And I'm here to do great things. Every one of us are in whatever way that as long as we're being authentic and true to ourselves, how can we be true and authentic with anybody else if you can't be that way for you? That's very true. Um, you know, for me, that's a yes and because a lot of people live as I did being a great parent, being a great son or daughter, being a great friend, being a great citizen, being a great volunteer, a great student, a great business owner, good at all of the doing, but not necessarily the being, you know, I, I, was absolutely present for all of the people in my life. I wasn't present for, for me. That's true. And that's sad because why couldn't you do all those things and be because that, that you? Right, but that wasn't possible. It, it wasn't possible. And, and then, what, in my mind, in my head, in my heart, you know, all of those things mattered, but all of those things would have crumbled if I would have just said, you know, I'm not the man you all think I am. And I never have been. That's never what I've been. I've been this. Um, it took a long time to find those words. So yeah, there's there's huge power in authenticity. I, I, I absolutely agree with you, but my point is, and I, I try to, you know, cause I have this conversation often uh, with trans folks or with folks who come out at a later age as queer that, you know, every, all of our lives were not wasted, nor were they lost. No. Do you know, like I, the years that I lived before now were not, um, were not gone. They were not wasted. They were not thrown away, you know, but there was a hollowness within me. So you know, what I'm able to do now, what I have more energy to do now in terms of working with my community. And it does, it comes from a different place. You know, it all came from in here before because I lived in my head. You know, I, I worked using my mind. Um, and I'm just now at 56 starting to experience a mind-body connection. 
Oh, wow. Because I never really had that. I had a body. It was, it was fine. You know, sex was pleasurable, etc. But it, it, there's a disjointedness and incongruence. And, and that's a thing that's very hard to explain to people that have not lived it. You know, good that it's great for when you haven't, but there, that's probably the essence of being trans is the disconnect, that there's just a disconnect between how we know ourselves inside and how people want to perceive us. And until you kind of fix that and put those things together and say, this is me, you know, even though for a lot of us, because internalized transphobia, internalized homophobia runs deep because you were always told to hate what it is you know yourself to be. Most of the Republican lawmakers that hate trans people and hate queer people are queer themselves. Yep. Yeah. That's most of them, you know, that's and why it, it's a, it's, it's not even a joke, but it is within the community, you know, that, yeah, if they're really, you know, the ones who rally, the ones in the churches, the Ted Haggards who just rally against gay people and preach against are also fucking men. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they're sexually molesting and going oh, to, yeah. I mean, you've seen that in history. Yeah, the, the pedophiles are all straight, identified. I just, you know, I like to put that out there as often as I possibly can because they're they're using the words again in Florida mm -hmm. um, where they call us groomers and they, they say that we're trying to indoctrinate and we're the pedophiles. No, we're not. No, we're not. 98, 99% straight male identified. Cis, straight, male identified. And they're the ones that were abused from the religion or politician or, uh, you know, lawyers and whatnot. And then they grow up becoming the abuser. Once oh, yeah. abused, then you go and become an abuser yourself because it wasn't treated. It wasn't taken care of. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of cyclical, a lot of cyclical. It's a it's history repeating itself in a just different time period. Right. Right. Well, I was gonna say that whole grooming argument comes up every about 10, 12 years, it seems like anyway. Yeah. Like I've I've I almost can clock it and track it. Cause the last time I heard about this was I've been out of college, <laughs> but it was somewhere between being out of college and Obama. It was mm -hmm. in there that I heard it. I heard it then, and then before that, it was in the '90s, and it's just like, oh, we're back again. That train's never late, apparently. Well, I've heard it. The grooming in when, um, you know, there's some males and then and there's some females. They groom in order to kill, kidnap, rape, uh, you know, and they groom to get them ready to kill them. Right. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a whole other thing. But the idea that, you know, they, they act when you really follow these narratives, especially like the bullshit, absolute bullshit going on in Florida right now um, with don't say gay. And we should keep calling it don't say gay. Cause that really is what it is. And they don't like it when we call it that. So 
Yeah, and 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 yeah, bonus. They don't like that term. Um, but where was I going? <laughs> where was I going? Uh, we're talking about grooming. Florida. Oh, yeah. So they're so afraid of us, and they they really do think, or because this is the narrative. The narrative is, if we even mention that queer people exist on this planet. If we mention to children under, you know, up through third grade, that there might be, that there are trans people in the world, that there are queer people in the world, that they exist, they're among us. Some families look different than a, a traditional mommy, daddy family. If we say any of that, we're going to turn them all queer. Here's the fun part. Almost all of the queer community was raised by heteronormative parents in very heteronormative circumstances. I grew up raised by a television throughout the 1970s, and all I saw was heteronormativity, was cisgendered people living cisgendered lives, man, woman, all of Usually it. Usually white. They, it couldn't make me straight. They convinced me to, you know, but it couldn't make me not what I already was. But yet we have these magical powers that if they just see us on the street, the kid's going to start to fart glitter and lose themselves. And I was like, no, honey, if you happen to have a trans kid or a gay kid, they may be able to come to the fullness of themselves sooner. They may not choose suicide because we have a huge problem with suicide in our throughout our community, especially with trans kids, especially around the bullying they receive. But we know when they're affirmed in the home, those numbers go way down. We know when they're affirmed by other adults, those numbers go way down. Like, we know these things. We ha actually have data. Um, but they act like there's no data in the world. They act like, you know, th this is the story that sells. And well, it does. Religion into politics. History is repeating itself again. Well, that, and that started really with Reagan. Yeah. You know, during the Reagan era, that's when they took all of these crazy, crazy right-wing religionists that were kept out of politics, that were not given air or light because they didn't need them. And they looked around and they said, all right, all the old white people are dying. We're going to have to let them in. Mm -hmm. It's all about voting. And it went you know, it's been going to hell since then. And they they earned it. They bought it. They decided to get in bed with these people. And now we're all paying. You know, because I grew up, and I tell the story all the time, where I grew up here in New Jersey was a small Republican town. But I didn't know who was a Republican and who was a Democrat. There was very little difference politically. You know, some kind of lean toward business you know, and some kind of lean toward civil rights and people and workers' rights, mm. but they pretty much met in the middle. I mean, it was Richard Nixon signed the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. Thank you. They Everybody looked up at the sky and said, that's pollution and we need to do something about it. That was, you know, 1972 or whatever that was. Unlike today, where you've got, ha you know, a, an entire political party where they look up at the sky, just like you, you say, oh, shit, that's pollution. And they say, what are you talking about? What are you, you going to believe your lying eyes? You know? <laughs> or are you going to believe me? Because I say it's not pollution. 
I say God told me it's not pollution. I mean, that's how crazy things are right now politically. And it's like, I, I if we can't agree on simple things, um, yeah, we're we're kind of lost. And religion has gotten progressively more into politics. It doesn't belong there. No, because, it's you know, an even question, in the constitution. Right. Right. Well, the, question, the religion separate from the state. We fought a whole war over this. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? They yeah. from, because if from my understanding, and I'm, and I'm digging in, you know, doing more research. What I did gather was, you know, the they were aliens, you know, immigrated. They sort of like aliens, not aliens, but um, immigrants mm -hmm. from the Europe. Yeah, they All came right. over to the states, tortured and killed those that were here before them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, created their own home in space. Because they wanted to get away from King Henry, I think it was the eighth, because of the taxes and and their, you know, religious bullshit. Uh, they, they're like, we're going to create our own constitution. And mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, so I visualize what it was like to be in those times of what was going on. Right. You know, and how they watered everything. You know the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, and all that, all that down. And I try to connect the dots. Okay, why did they state state it like this? What was going on with for them to put that there? Mm -hmm. Right. You know the freedom of speech. You know, and then you know keep the state separate from religion because of what they were dealing over in their other country. They wanted to change things for making their own colonization and. And civilization. Well, right. They didn't yeah. want a Church of England here. Right. And, you know, that's... But yet, sponsored they religion, are, you know, doing the same thing over. They, they would have... if They would have it if they could. And, yeah. you know, it's... Um, a small... They're, they are actually the minority. Loud as they are, and as big a microphone as they get through our media, they're... If all of us who don't identify with them got together, we are by far a huge majority. You know. And you're the voters. Hello, you can vote them out. Well, and that is that is what we really hope, you know, um, that more and more people do get inspired to vote and say, you know, I'm not going to give up on this. And, you know, it's so, one of the things we talk about a lot is how, whether we're talking about racism or homophobia or transphobia. And by the way, phobia is kind of a, a misnomer because it's not that they fear us. They fucking hate us. Like that's, you know, most transphobes, they don't fear us. It, that's not fear. I mean, it's fear-based, but it's not fear. It's, it's hate. Mm -hmm. um, and that's taught as a program. Well, sure. It, it all is. It all is. Um, I got, I lost myself again. <laughs> I, I lost myself again. Um, all of that is programmed. Absolutely. All of that is programmed. Um, but when, whether we are talking about racism, whether we are talking about homophobia, whether we're talking about transphobia, it all requires an other, right? That's where I was going. It all requires uh, an other, and we all do it. 
You know, that's a, that's a conditioning um, that's a little bit harder to, to deal with and reflect on and change over the course of your life because, you know, and the cynicism of politics has said, you know, there are quotes out there that say, you know, if you can take the poorest white man and make him believe that he is more important than, you know, the richest black man by just a little bit, you can pick his pockets all day long. Mm. And it's still true. It's yeah. still true. And, you know, it's in the of a belief, but it doesn't have to be true. It's a, that, like you said, program to mm -hmm. believe in something that's really not true. But we, we as human beings have a real tendency to like having others. We, not we think like for themselves, somebody believe what everybody else says. Well, right, but somebody we're we're better than, we're smarter than, we're more you know wealthier than, or at least I'm not that, right? At least I'm whatever the that is. You know, when we were raised with different programs, we were mm -hmm. raised with different prejudices, but we all have some, and we all do have that little tendency to sort of to other, to other. And, you know, I've pulled myself short up several times where I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Like, why, as I'm thinking about a human being, another human being, um, am I othering them? Am I doing that? You know, I do it with politicians all the time. I do it with people who choose to be stupid all the time. I do. I do think I'm better than them. Yes, I do. <laughs> I've spent a lot more time working on my education, working on understanding people and trying to figure out how to love people. And not hate them, not hate them because I can hate them, not, you know. Um, so, yeah. Well, then, because we live in a duality. And how can you know hate and not know love? You have to experience both and then mm -hmm. choose. But a lot of people have a misconception of even what love is. Right. They're is taught love is outside. It's outside. And then you're conditioned based on your upbringing with your parents. But the truth is, love is in you already. Mm -hmm. It's true. And, and I, I feel if, if, if we can, <laughs> the religion system, not good. The political system, not good. It's broken. The religion system is broken. The education system is broken. So now it's time to create a new system. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people do believe that and, and do want that, you know, something that is more fair and more just um, and more equitable. Right. And so, there's the younger generation, even some of the trans people, are gonna come forward and stand up, rise up, and go forward to making that happen. But we yeah. have to wake up first. Well, I think a lot of people have and are. I really do. I, you know, I, I think there was some enormous benefit that came out of the pandemic because that was such a that was a forced pause. We weren't going to slow down like that any other way. 
-hmm. And even the earth started to breathe, you Mm -hmm. know, that life changed pretty, pretty rapidly that the natural world around us, you know, changed the air got cleaner, the water got a little cleaner, like the, you know, there were more, it just, the earth started to breathe a little bit more. Um, It was a setback. And we did too. Yeah, it was a a reset to me. It was like a setback Mm -hmm. to set up for a comeback. And see, the uh, studying between history and science and spirituality and knowing like what I said earlier is everything, we're all energy. And that energy is we're also connected to our planet Earth. So the more hate energy that we put out this racist energy that we put out the violence hatred all of that we're also affecting our planet earth sure yeah sure and it's fascinating to me we all have seven chakras guess what the earth has seven chakras too all over the world huh okay yeah let me tell you something i i studied this stuff and it's fascinating to me Huh. Well, and I think, you know, like we're hearing about people not wanting to work in certain industries. Mm-hmm. Well, they never wanted to work in those industries, but, you know, they took a pause, they took a break and they said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I certainly yeah. don't want to give you all of my time and still be struggling. You know, so who knows what will come out of that? But one of the things that is coming out of it is higher wages. Oh, yeah. More people learning your work. Here's the thing from my understanding on an an intuitive um, level. The corporations have to change. Because to me, it's the employees. And I can't remember what time period this was. But it was back in the day where men did most of the work women didn't work right okay but the value of the men they had pensions they had health insurance they had a good wage because the mindset in these corporations where the employees were a valuable asset to their company treat them well you'll be prosperous you'll be productive but something shifted and changed well they figured out how to union bust for one thing i mean it wasn't always good we it got good you know that that post-world war ii era got really good um that post new deal era got good you know that's my parents married in 1950 Um, they, my mother worked in a factory and my father was a carpenter. They both had union jobs. So they were able to buy this piece of property. And then they were able to build a 10 room house on their property. And they always had two cars. They weren't brand new cars, but we had cars and they raised three children. And they also, my grandmother lived with us. Like they built a life and neither one of them graduated high school. And that used to be possible. Right. You know, up into again, the eighties or so. 
sorry, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the later 70s, but Reagan, again, um, you know, that's when a lot of these things, these games started be, being played with, with pensions and the rating of pension funds and those, that um, social what a, agreements was, it became common to break it, you know, and to buy and sell these companies and, and screw over the people that had given their whole lives. So yeah, it, there did used to be all that. My mother, um, because of my father's benefits, you know, she went, she had his pension until she died. He died in 2004. You know, she lived another 13 years with his pension benefits and her higher social security because of the money he made. And she, and the, the life insurance that he left her. So she had a very comfortable retirement, mm -hmm. you know, because, and it, unions had a lot to do with it. Unions had a lot to do with it. Um, and I think we're seeing, we're seeing that come back. We're seeing that, you know, the Amazon warehouse that, that um, is unionizing that right. I think it's going to be a ripple effect. We're seeing that fight happening with, um, with Starbucks, you know, yeah, unions are not a bad thing. They're not. You know, they're not always perfect, but uh, by and large, yeah. You know, they. My parents had a middle class life, as fair. You know, with a fair, fairly low education. You know, they both had to quit school to take care of their families. And yeah, yet, and that's sad because it's like I said about the programming and even the emotional energetic traumas. It also stems with the money relationship. You know, the poor teach the poor to be poor. The middle class teach the middle class to be middle class. And the rich teach the rich to be rich. Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. So mm. what did you grow up? How do you categorize your upbringing with relationship to money? You know, that's it's one way to look at it. I don't think it's quite fair. I don't think it's quite fair. Poor people don't intentionally teach anyone to be poor. They're... You know, the re the resources you have now are limited. You know, when you don't have a good credit score or you've because you've screwed up a bill or you've lost a job, you know, your life gets expensive fast. You know, because we've been there. We've you know, we've been on both ends of that spectrum. And yeah, but you, we create poor people. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then then you're right. Yeah. How are they going to teach? Because what, they don't know themselves unless well, they live in survival. But again, a lot of the times, you know, poor people were not always born poor. Poor people did not always live poor. Life circumstances can fuck you up. And everybody can't prepare for that. Everybody can't prepare, prepare for every eventuality. But, you know, that's the mindset I think we need to change is that bootstrap, you know, you know, this rugged individualism, none of these fucking people are individualists. None of them. All these people that claim that they're libertarians, then get off my fucking roads. Stay out of my hospitals. Stay out of our schools. Don't call the fire department. Don't call the police. You know, you don't like socialism? Then stay the fuck. Don't use, don't use any of the systems that are in place for you. And it's the same thing these, you know, when, when someone says, I built a company from nothing. No, you had a lot of help in doing that. There's a lot of government subsidy out there. And again, who built the roads to get to your factory? 
who maintains the roads that get your people back and forth to work. Mm -hmm. You know, um, no, we've gotten away from the collective. We're looking at life as a collective because it is. It is. Also, you know, we've gotten away from acknowledging we're all going to die and we're going to die faster than we think. Because, you know, time, my father used to tell me when I was little, for him as an adult, Christmas came every six months now. And I remember asking him right before he died, I said, does it still feel like that? And he said, no, it's every two months now. Like time just accelerates the older I get and it's going really fast. And, you know, we, we forget that and we forget that we don't take any of this with us. None of it. So, uh, you know, it, I, I, I love that. I think the world is changing. I think it is, but we're fighting the last gasps from a bunch of white people that don't like seeing it happen. Primarily white people in this country right. who don't like progress, Mm-mm. don't like the uppity queers, really don't like, they think we just invented trans people. It's like, no, you are hearing more about our community, but there's always been trans people. Yep. They are speaking up more, thank God, coming forward more. And we have told children they can tell us who they are because they know. Mm-hmm. They know who they are. And always have. I knew who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was everyone else who beat it out of me. And they literally beat it out of me. Not really. I mean, they beat the shit out of me. And I stopped talking about who I was. And I got out of this house as young as I possibly could. And moved away. Wow. Didn't change, you know, didn't change this. Took a while to come back to myself and come back to this. And now this is a really peaceful, lovely place to live, but it wasn't, you know, and it's one of the reasons our, our podcast is called full circle um, is also because my life has come full circle. This is, I was born in this house. I was raised in this house and, you know, I went away for almost 35 years and lived in the city and, with COVID, we came back to this house to where it all started. Wow. Another aspect of, you know, coming full circle, coming full circle. So So what do you, you talk about on uh, full circle? You know, we loosely break it up. We talk about the news. So we look for good news wherever we can find it. We always start with good news. Um, You know, one of the things that we we talk about in our bio. You know, Charles is a cisgender black man who is queer. I am a white trans femme person who is also queer. Um, We come at life from different perspectives. Now, Charles is also mixed race. His mother was white, his father was black. So we have a lot of conversations about race all the time. You know, and he's lived his life not being white enough and not being black enough. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> wow. So, too white for black people sometimes, too black for white people sometimes, too gay for straight people, too straight for gay people. I'm just trying to be me and I'm sitting in the middle. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's a lot to talk about just from that perspective. And, you know, and we always have those kind of interesting conversations in our bar. 
just with folks, with whoever came, you know, we would talk about the news. We would talk about what was going on. What do you think? Um, and so, so the structure is loose, but we look for good news, whether it's queer news, black news, you know, or just general cool things happening in the world. Right. General coolness. We both have an arts background. So we talk about the arts, um, but we talk about good news. And then we talk about what happened this week. Right. You know, and right now it's a lot of which state legislator did what to whom it's mostly aimed at trans people right now. Um, you know, so we, we talk about it. We talk it through. I try to, I, try to bring those stories full circle just to, to say, please don't kill yourself. When you hear this stuff, you are loved. You're okay. They're the ones who are crazy. You know, the ACLU and the transgender law project and others are on the ground fighting this every step of the way. A lot of it's not going to stand, you know, so we talk about, you know, self-care and how you, you can process the news in a way that, we keep going and, and and we keep some hope alive. So we do it. Most of the news that we talk about is what's happening to queer people right now because it keeps happening to us. Right. You know, and th this is the greatest threat to our community right now. Um, and then we, we bring it back around. We talk about the Oscars or whatever the hell we're watching on television or in the movies or, you know, we do a little pop culture. Pop culture palate cleanser. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's the basis of our show. Um, we try to add some humor. We try to, you know, laugh at it where we can. Um, and then the interview shows can, can be more specific. So, you know, um, and then that's really depends on who we're talking to. Right. Oh, wow. Um, well, I'd love to be a guest on your show. We would love that. Yeah, we would love that. And you know what I found out? Cause I'm such a history geek. I just like, for some reason, I'm just in this history mode. And I came across some history because um, I like studying about the Anunnaki, the Sumerians, the Assyrians, Babylonians, and all that. And I came across something that was fascinating to me of in regards why we are different colors. Okay. And isn't it? In the Anunnaki pantheons, they, if you consider back in even the biblical times where you hear the writings, the Sumerians write a different story in Q&A form. Mm -hmm. And they talked about these beings coming from the sky. Right. It was like, they were actually aliens, extraterrestrial beings coming in from a ship, stationed themselves, okay? And there's been a couple of times where civilization got destroyed, they had to start again and whatnot. But then this time around, they were each assigned different parts in the country, like a military organization. So we're going to allow you hmm. to govern this, the civilization, but you got to leave your marker. Okay. And these beings were different races as well. So they left their mark. And that's how we got all these different colors. Huh. I thought it all had to do with whether, where, how far you were away from the sun. No, that's what I thought. No. I mean, that's my understanding of melanin. But, you know, in a world where 
how many people believe in a vir virgin birth? Sure, maybe. Right. You know, you know, maybe like, you know, I. it makes sense to me because I, from my studies, they created seven males, seven females. But the thing about it was, and they put their DNA. So we got some alien DNA and hmm. whatnot, but they weren't producing. So when I was reading about this and studying this, I'm like, wait a minute, you got, you guys were watching them have sex and they didn't see you there. Like, were you like invisible ghost like what you know that sounds a little creepy <laughs> you know but then they realized they're not reproducing because originally they were created for primitive workers slaves for the gold huh okay so they put them back to sleep and then they put other essence of themselves in these human beings. You know the story about Adam and Eve kind of thing? So once they woke up and they realized, oh, whoa, who are you? What's going on kind of thing? Then they had knowledge and wisdom because they... It's like bringing the spirituality, the heavens to the earth kind of thing. Okay. And then that's when they started reproducing. Huh. And I... then like, leave your mark. Now, you, and they started creating a civilization and whatnot. And they're like, okay, to govern them, we need you to put your mark so we can identify where they came from. Right. I freely admit I wasn't there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, um, it's at least as plausible as there was one man, one woman, they had two sons and then populated the earth because that means their sons were motherfuckers. <laughs> Take all the time you need with that, you know, like. Well, you know, and then they say, oh, if they were the first, my question on that one was if, they were the first male and female. Then there is Cain and Abel, but Cain killed Abel, left, got exiled, but came back with a wife. Where did the wife come from? Well, exactly. Well, my question is always, if Adam and Eve were the first, then why do they always have belly buttons in the yeah. pictures? I mean, you know, it's kind of... Trying to pick apart the Bible is like trying to, you know, study unicorns. Yeah, but they got the that their writings from the Sumerian text. And then the Torah and the Quran, and then it became a Bible, and it was all from the counselor of the Nice. I don't even know if yeah, I. Yeah, when they yeah, I mean it's been pulled apart and interpreted and reinterpreted, and you know, but it's not the whole true word of God. I don't know that any of it's the word of God. Right. I mean, it's the words of the men who wrote it, and again, I don't know. You know, it's the one thing I have known a lot of theologians. I've known a lot of former ministers and current ministers. And, you know, the one thing I always say is we can talk about anything. Like we can talk about theology all you want. As long as there's a small corner of this conversation where we both admit this might all be bullshit. We weren't there. We don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. no, no one still, as far as I know, has seen God. 
and came back and gave details. And came back and get and said, you know, yo, this like we have these this tall, this big folks who say they have, and then we have the folks who say, well, no, that's kind of what your brain does when you do. Like I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know, and I, I, it's to me, you know, there's a certain um, what's the word I'm looking for hubris involved in thinking that we do for sure. I mean, there's a lot of theories out there. There's a lot of them. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard to think that this is all there is. It's hard to, you know, that, and that, that feels really like hubris to say as large as the galaxies are, this is the one planet that has life on it. That's, that's doesn't stupid. Right. that feels stupid um by the same token we just know what we know you know i i remember asking a friend who was an avowed atheist i said but what about what about the miracles what about the connections that we have when the exact right person shows up do you know the exact person we need we we need someone to talk to we need an answer we need you know, kind of that when the when the student is ready and the teacher will appear. Like that yep. happens over and over and over again. And too much for me to think it's coincidence. You know, um, and he said, Oh, I didn't say there were no miracles. I said it's all a miracle. You know, I, and I I don't know where it all comes from. I'm not going to. I'm not going to define God because I don't know. I don't know that there's a God. I don't know who that person might be. And I remember having the same, my, my daughter came home from, I want to say it was first grade. It was kindergarten or first grade. And she said, I have a question. And I said, okay, sister wants to know what are we? Because my children went to Catholic school. And I said, uh, what? <laughs> she said, what are we? I mean, I know you used to take me to mass all the time and I go to Catholic school, so I think I'm Catholic, but then we go to Passover and, and we have a Seder and we, you know, because we have Jewish friends and I don't think we're Jewish, but then you met Donna and, you know, she goes, we go to a Baptist church with her sometimes. So I don't know what to tell sister we are. And I said, how about this? You tell sister that I said God is bigger than anything we decide to call her. And if sister has any more questions, she can call me. And my kid got the little fucking star on her chart every every Sunday after that. Because they just wanted to know if you went to church. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if you got a different color star if you weren't in the Catholic church or what. But it's probably blue. I know the sister, <laughs> sister never called me. And my daughter was happy with that answer. Wow. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy for both of you. And thank you for taking the time and and like me and and doing what you're doing for the LBGTQ community. And I have all the information for those that would like to go to your site and find out more. It's listed. And I... My intention is that somebody 
listens and they find an uh, like an outlet. Great. You know, yeah. to connect with you guys. So thank you. That'd be great. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It was definitely a pleasure. And I love you guys. And just be you. Be the greatest expression of you, the God that I see in you. And that's all we've got. So right. <laughs> thank you. You as well. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. Well, there you go. What a delight and a true pleasure of having those two on our show. And you never know what I'm going to get on this show with Wake Up With Casey. So you got to stay tuned. Until then, later.